A belief is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. You need to have a conviction about God's what? Word. Yes, you need to have a conviction about God's Word. You certainly do. And the dreams that Joseph had, they were the revelation of God. And the revelation of God will give you rest if you will rest in it. That's exactly right. On Tuesday night, we saw, and somebody was, was uh, mentioning that, that you need to have, as a, as a young person, male or female, you need to have a conviction about God's standard of what? Purity. Because it will indeed be put to the test. Hey, it'll be put to the test right here at this camp. Isn't that right? I mean to tell you. And so you need to have a conviction about God's standard of purity, just like Joseph did. And I love how the Bible says he got him what? Out. Yep, he got him out. And so he said no. And you've got to be able to say no to be able to say yes. There's a greater yes. And so remember we said that as a young lady, you're going to have to say no to a bunch of bozos, like that bozo and that bozo and that bozo. And as a guy, you're going to have to say no to a whole bunch of what? Bozas, okay, right, the Spanish form of bozo, so any feminine form, so yeah, and so we want to see you succeed, we want to see you do right, and you know, sometimes it, like what Brother Ryan was saying, and I, and I appreciate that as well, that, you know, a preacher can come to camp, and man, he's preaching against everything sometimes that you like, it feels like, and it's, and it's almost like, um, it's almost like my uncle who played football. He actually played football for just a little bit before he surrendered to preach. He played football for the Razorbacks. And he said they had a coach that they called Coach Bino. Coach Bino. And the reason they called him Coach Bino is because every night or every, you know, quite often at least, he'd make this little speech to the football squad and said, as long as you're on this football team, there'll be no smoking, there'll be no drinking, there'll be no staying up late at night and all this stuff. And so they called him Coach Bino. Well, you might get to feel like your pastor is Pastor Bino. Be none of this and be none of that and all those things. And, you know, it, it may be that you're feeling that I'm coming across even that way. Like you, can't, you feel so restricted you can't do anything. Hey, listen, Christianity is not about a bunch of rules. That's not it at all. In fact, the standards, the rules, the things that you ought to have in your life, they really ought to be this, Christ-centered. Things that are in place to help you focus on Christ. And so there's got to be standards. There's got to be rules. There's got to be parameters. Um, you know, I'm really glad for guardrails that are on the road. You know, that saves lives. But I don't really need the guardrails to drive if I'm driving right. And so you don't really have to have rules if you're living like Christ. Are you saying there's no more rules? <laughs> no, you're going to have guardrails. But if you'll just be mature in Christ, that takes care of it, okay? And so you might be feeling like, man, it's being under this and being under that. But remember, the reason there's a bunch of beanos is because, is because there's a greater yes. We want you to be able to say yes to God and, and for him to have your whole life. And, and so, in fact, that plays into tonight's uh, message, and that would be this, a conviction about honoring God. A conviction about honoring God. And I appreciate the fact that you're taking notes and trying to get these messages and, and, uh, and taking it that seriously. That I think will help you. I, I still have notes, uh, Brother Wrench, that I had back when I went to even college days and, and, and to camp alike from Brother McCracken and Brother Sam Davison and different ones that came and preached. And a guy named, a preacher named Tommy Stone, and he was very interesting, played a saw. I mean, like a saw, like you saw down a tree. You're like, 
I mean, he got our attention with that weird thing. But he preached, and I surrendered on August the 1st of 1991 while he was preaching. So, you know, it's good that you're taking these, things, these notes because you're trying to honor God. And that's wonderful. And, and I almost forgot, but last night we talked about having a conviction about God's what? God's care. Yep, God's care in your what? In your life, in your circumstances. And do you remember how long Joseph was in prison? For 12 years. For 12 years he was in prison. And so it didn't look like that God's plan was going to work out. And so there's going to be times when you're just going to have to wait on God. And, and, and there's things that are going to just totally be beyond your control, but they're not beyond his control. And so Joseph learned and knew and was just convinced. I love how he said, do not interpretations belong to God? Like, come on. I mean, God is the answer here. And, and so Joseph, he lived with that faith. Well, here we are on, on Thursday night. We've got one more night. And, and really, tomorrow night is, is in many ways the most pivotal. Uh, and that's not to take away from what we're going to emphasize tonight. It really sets it up tonight, even for tomorrow night. But I do hope that you'll make um, a response to God here, that you want to continue honoring God or that you want to start honoring God in your life. Okay? There's the pre-preaching. Genesis 41. Are you there? Genesis 41. I don't think I even told you where to turn. Just kind of jumped into it. Genesis 41, a conviction about honoring God. A conviction about honoring God. I, I say that we ought to be convinced, and there's the conviction about honoring God. By the grace of God, I'm going to honor God. By the grace of God, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to honor God. And, and think about every area of your life. Does that honor God? Do those words honor God? Do those thoughts honor God? Are you honoring God? Are you honoring God? Is that an important question for everybody in here tonight? It's an important question for the preachers. An important question for the youth pastors and their wives. Hey, as we lead youth and as we uh, lead services, it ought to be forefront in our minds. Does this honor God? As parents, you want to honor God. Something here for everybody tonight. Let's stand in honor of God's word. We'll read a few verses here together. Genesis 41 and verse number one. It says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed. I mean, everybody and their brothers having a dream here, right? Joseph dreamed, the butler dreamed, the baker dreamed, now Pharaoh dreams, all right? So everybody's dreaming. <laughs> and behold, he stood by the river. Now it's going to describe his dream. And behold, there came up out of the river, so this would be the Nile River, seven well-favored kine or cattle and fat-fleshed. These are hefty beef cattle. <laughs> Heifers. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh, scrawny little heifers, <laughs> and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And watch what happens, verse 4. And the ill-favored ill and lean flesh kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. I think it scared him awake. Yeah. 
Verse 5 says, and he slept and dreamed the second time. You know, sometimes you think, I'm just not going back to sleep anymore. <laughs> but he did, and he had another dream, and it says, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh wo awoke. And behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. In other words, he was scared out of his mind. Spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none, there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. I'm telling you, if you turn to the world for help, they can't help you. They can't help you. Then the chief butler, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants. Remember that when you were upset at us and you put us in the ward? And he goes on and says, We dreamed a dream in verse 11 one night. I and he, we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams. To each man according to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass that it, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Okay? said it happened just like he said then pharaoh sent and called joseph and so they brought him up out of the dungeon and and they shaved him and they got him ready to come before pharaoh and so look at verse 15 and pharaoh said unto joseph i have dreamed a dream and there's none that can interpret it and i have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it now please pay attention to what joseph says and joseph answered pharaoh saying it is not in me god in that good God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. It is not in me. You know, it's like he was, he was applying the message that we preached this morning. I am insufficient, but he is sufficient, and I'll trust him. All right, look real quick now, verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God hath showed unto Pharaoh what he's about to do. Verse 28. He spake unto Pharaoh what God is about to do. He shows unto Pharaoh. Verse 32. How are we doing? Good, okay? And from that, for that dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice. It is because a thing is established by God. God will shortly bring it to pass. Verse 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this? Is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? I mean, even Pharaoh recognized here's a man of God. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou. And so what he does is he sets Pharaoh up as number two man in the kingdom. Why? Because God worked. One more, a couple more verses. Verse 51, again, um, we see here that verse 51, Joseph called the name of his firstborn son, Zath, Joseph's name is changed to Zathnath Paneah, and he marries uh, there in Egypt, and he called his firstborn son Manasseh for God said, he hath made me forget all my toil. He moved me past my past. Look at verse 52. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. In other words, he's saying this. God is taking care of my past, and God is taking care of my future. I'm telling you, we are reading about a young man who had a conviction about honoring God with his life. How about you? How about you? Do you have a conviction that in every single area, I'm going to honor God? You want that tonight? <laughs> 
I believe you ought to. Honor God. I want to ask you tonight, what could happen in the life and through the life of a young person like you if you would make up your mind tonight in every way I'm going to honor him? What could happen? What could happen in your high school this year? What could happen in your church this year? What could happen if you just make up your mind, I'm going to honor God? How about we find out? May God bless you as you're seated. We'll get right into the message here tonight. You know, we use the word honor in a lot of different ways. We talk about an honor class somebody has at high school. They're in the honor class. It's great. We talk about the honor roll. I see a bumper sticker somebody has on the back of the car. My, my child is an honor roll student at such and such elementary. And then I saw, <laughs> saw another bumper sticker that said, my kid beat up your honor roll student at my elementary school. <laughs> we talk about a guest of honor. Uh, a maid of honor. Isn't that right, ladies? A maid of honor. My uncle got in a lot of trouble as a young man, and God eventually called him to preach, same one I was talking to you about that was in football and stuff. But he, I mean, he got in fights all the time in DeWitt, Arkansas. And he said this, he said the closest he ever got to honor was yes, your honor, and no, your honor, and yes, your honor, and no, your honor, and such as that. To honor somebody means this. You hold someone in high regard. If you honor someone, that means you hold them in high regard. Another way to say that would be you respect them. You reverence them, but to hold someone in high regard. Joseph held God in high regard. Daniel is another example of a young man who honored God even when Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to eat the king's meat and drink the king's wine. Remember that? He honored God. He held God in high honor. What can happen through the life of a young person who will hold God as the highest, in the highest place of reverence and respect? By the way, God is worthy of being held in high regard. We live in a day and time, even in what's considered broad Christianity, where God is kind of brought down to our level, where he's our, he's, he's, I, I, I don't even want to say some of the things that are out there, even in the Christian world today, that I believe is very disrespectful to how holy and righteous God is. There's a church in our hometown of Bowling Green, Kentucky, that used to be Hillview Heights Baptist Church. They've since taken Baptist off, and, and their music has changed, and, and, and their, uh, their activities, I mean, just so much has changed. It's more like going to a rock concert, as I understand it. And, and out on the marquee, I even hesitate to say this because I believe it's so blasphemous, but it says this, come rock with the flock and jam with the lamb. Can you believe that? You see what happened there? Somebody's not regarding the holiness of Jesus Christ if they refer to him in that way. Would you agree with that? I believe we don't need to bring him down. We need to understand just how high and holy that he is tonight. We need to hold him in high regard. And so Joseph did. Pharaoh had two crazy dreams. I mean, you read about it. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time there. But, he, I mean, he had some pretty whacked out dreams, didn't he? He dreamed about the River Nile. Now, do you realize that the River Nile was so very vitally important to their well-being as Egypt? I mean, it was their lifeblood. And so it would be like him dreaming about the source of their life as the Egyptians. And so, so there was the River Nile. And out of the River Nile came 
seven fat heifers, as someone said here, seven fat cows, cattle coming up out of the river. I see them there, and they're coming up, and man, they're, they're strong and flourishing. And then he dreamed about seven scrawny cows that came up. And they came up also out of the river, and the seven scrawny cows, they ate, they devoured. I'm talking to you tonight about cannibalistic cows. <laughs> they ate the other cows. They said, forget Chick-fil-A, we're eating you. Seven scrawny, cannibalistic cows. And so Pharaoh, I believe he just woke up like in a sweat. <sighs> Man, I shouldn't hate that pizza. <laughs> he laid back down, went to sleep. He had another dream. In the second dream, he dreamed about seven fat, full ears of corn. As it says now, some say, well, you know, that might be like weed and such as that. I don't really know. I like to think about, you know, like corn on the cob. You know, I love corn on the cob. And, and so I'm thinking about those fat, you know, ears of corn. He just go and all the way around it and devour it. You know, the big old fat ears of corn. And then the seven scrawny ears of corn, like the ones you find in your salad. <laughs> I don't think that's real corn. But anyways, it reminds me of it. Seven little scrawny cannibalistic corn came up and ate all the fat corn. I mean, this is weird. He woke up <gasps> scared out of his mind because he didn't know what that meant. You get it? I mean, this is a big deal for Pharaoh. I mean, Pharaohs could be killed. And he wanted to know what was going to happen, and so he called all the wise men in, and he called, you know, all the magicians in for them to try to figure out by their books and their learnings and their incantations and whatever else it took uh, to try to figure out what do these dreams mean. Well, nobody was able to help. Then the butler, as we read, the butler said, ah, I forgot. Joseph, two years, yeah, like you forgot. Come on, man. Two years ago, this, this man named Joseph helped him. And so he said, Pharaoh, there's a, there's a man among the Hebrews. He's a slave. He's in prison. He's been there, I know, for two years because two years ago I was locked up. He went through the whole story. And so long story made short, context here, because this is very, very important because Pharaoh believed that he was God, believed that Pharaoh was God in Egyptian theology. So he brings Joseph in before himself, and the Pharaoh says, Joseph, I understand that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph very quickly says this, it is, you get what he's saying? He's honoring God in the face. I mean, that could have cost him his life. You see, he's honoring God even when it's not popular to honor God. He's honoring God even when it's dangerous to honor God. He honored God and said, you're not God. There's only one God, and you're not him. And he says, there is a God in heaven who can tell you the dream. And so that's exactly what happened. And he said to Pharaoh several times, I mean, we, re we read six verses where Joseph, by his verbal words and his actions and everything was saying, there is a God he showed you in his mercy and kindness, Pharaoh, he's shown you what is about to heaven happen. The seven fat cattle and the seven fat ears of corn represent seven years of plenty. There's going to be a bumper crop for seven years in Egypt. Then the seven cannibalistic cows and the seven cannibalistic corn, they represent seven lean years, years of famine. And the seven years of famine, they are going to devour or eat up whatever comes in by way of the bumper crop. And so God is showing you, Pharaoh, and the fact that it's said twice, 
Do you remember what that means for Joseph's life? Remember, he had two dreams. That's God verifying this is surely going to happen. It's a sure revelation from God. And so Joseph is saying, this is bound to happen. There's going to be seven good years, seven bad years, and the seven bad years are going to be worse than the seven good years. So you better get ready. Well, Pharaoh said, something needs to be done here, and who could we find that would be a better candidate to oversee this whole process than none other than this man, Joseph? Hey, listen, Pharaoh recognized there's something different about this man. Hey, do you realize that when you honor God in your life, somebody that's even out there in the pagan world, and I say pagan because they don't know the true and living God, even somebody out there living in the world will say, you know, there's something different about this young man. There's something different about this young lady. Hey, listen, if you, if you start to honor God in your life here as a result of applying the truth of the Word of God to your life here at this camp, and you go back home, your parents may well say, there's something different about them. There's something different about them. Your brothers and sisters and friends will say, hey, something's different. Something's changed. Hey, your church family might say, man, God did something there. If you'll start honoring God with your life. And that's exactly what happened. And so think about this. Joseph was, was exalted to the place of prominence under only Pharaoh. It's amazing. From the pit to the prison, to the palace. Huh? Did you catch that? From the pit, as his brothers threw him in there, to the prison, to the palace. Hey, I'm telling you, sorry. <laughs> I'm telling you that when, when you see a turtle on top of a fence post, he didn't get there by himself. You get that? Go home and think about that one for a while. If you see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know he didn't climb up there by himself. Somebody put him there. Hey, we're looking at a Hebrew slave who is now second in command. Who could do that but God? He honored God, and God has honored him. You see how this works? He honored God, and now God has honored him, has respected him, has worked in his life. He honored God. And so because Joseph honored God, God was glorified. That's number one and most important. Because Joseph honored God, number one, God was glorified. Pharaoh said, God is at work here in this man's life. God was glorified. Number two, and very important to the account of Genesis is this. Number two is this, is that the nations were saved because Joseph honored God. Pharaoh said, there's going to come a time when everybody's going to need to find food somewhere, so everybody go see Joseph. Okay, hang on. Think about this here tonight. Here, here is the plan of God at work, and so there's a little nation called Israel, and they're about to starve to death there in Canaan land, and so they've got to go and get some food somewhere. Guess where they're going to have to go? Egypt. And guess who's going to have to bow before Zaphnath-Paneah, also known as Joseph? 
That would be his ten brothers. Benjamin will be held back, but his ten brothers will come, and they will bow just like God said. They will bow before Joseph. They will not recognize him as Joseph because he's dressed up as an Egyptian, and he speaks Egyptian to them, not Hebrew, although he understands what they're saying. Hey, but I'm telling you, listen to me tonight. God used a young man who way back here had a conviction about the Word of God and, and was convinced of the revelation of God. will give you rest if you'll rest in it. And he was betrayed by his brothers, and he was put in Potiphar's home, and he exalt, was exalted there, and then he was falsely accused, and he was thrown into prison. But listen to me, he just continued to be convinced that God was right, and that God was at work in his life, and he continued to have faith in God, and he continued to honor God, and to honor God, and to honor God, and finally, because he continued honoring God, God was glorified, and all the nations were saved, and as a result of that, God intervened in the life of Israel and saved them, and thus there was a king named David and there was a Messiah named Jesus and you're here tonight all because a 17 year old and now a 30 year old honored God with his life boy that's powerful I mean that that is that is as my little boy says huge that is huge that is so huge I mean you think about it people I mean I could if I Get to thinking about it. It gets rather exciting because people all over the world are continuing to get saved because one young man honored God. What will happen if you'll honor God? Think about the nations here. See, this is more than just you having a good week at camp. No, this is about the Philippines. This is about Russia. This is about the 1040 window. This is about people who have never heard that could hear. This is about young men and young ladies who are cutting themselves and, and just tripping out on drugs and giving themselves alcohol, trying to hide all their problems. This is, one, this is about young men and ladies alike swinging from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship till they mess up their, their lives that are so precious that Jesus died for. Hey, if you'll start honoring God with your life, there could be somebody in your high school this year that comes to Christ and is saved and you don't know what all God's going to do in their life because he could call them out and send them to the mission field all because, all because you decided I'm going to honor God. Whoa. Whoa. Wow. Awesome. I like it. God is glorified. Nations are saved when people honor God. So I need to ask you tonight. Are you honoring him? Are you honoring him with your mouth? Are you honoring him with what you say? Does it honor God when you complain? You know more people died in the Bible for complaining than any other sin? Did you get that? I mean, they were complaining in the book of Numbers 11, and fire came down. <laughs> what if this week you, like, complained about something in the food? <laughs> or you complained about how hot it is. Oh, really? <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, complaining doesn't honor God. Talking back to your parents doesn't honor God. Isn't that right? Telling a lie doesn't honor God. Talking filthy with your mouth that God made 
Huh? Isn't that right? Talking filthy with your friends in the youth group or talking filthy. I mean, listen, you could come to church every single Sunday and put on the smile and put on the facade and, and put on the, on the Christianity look and everybody here can think that you're, that you're some spiritual giant and all the while you can be talking dirty on the phone and talking dirty in text or listen to the dirty or buy movies. Well, it doesn't really have an effect on me. Stop. That's not true. Number one, it doesn't honor God. Hey, listen, it doesn't matter if you're 13. That doesn't mean you're qualified to watch a PG-13 movie. <laughs> you know what's happened? You know what's happened in America is we've got so far away from honoring God, what used to be R-rated is now rated PG-13. And what is rated PG used to be PG-13. And so what's rated G, I'm not even sure that it's good enough for you to watch. I don't know. I'm not trying to go overboard here. No, I do tell my boys, listen, we're G for Gaddis, and that's Gaddis approved. And so we can, we can watch that. But listen, I'm just saying, hey, listen, listen we, we need to get real about this, don't we? And say, you know, that movie does not honor God. It's going off. Is that getting radical? No, it's not really getting radical. That's just saying that's not right. I'm not going to watch the content of that. I'm not going to watch the violence of that. I'm, I'm not going to listen to the filthy language that is portrayed there. No, that's, I'm not going to fill my mind with that because that does not help me utter God. And, and take this truth and apply it to your music. Does rock and roll music and does rap music and, to, and does, does everything out there, and even whatever has a Christian label to it, does that necessarily honor God? Absolutely not. With sex and violence and suicide and, and, and all the things that are such dark and the occult and, and the filthy language, I'm telling you, it is, it is vile. And, and, and even in country music and R&B and in name whatever you want to. Hey, listen, you just need to take all of your music and put it through a filter and say, does this honor God or not? And if not, blow it up. <laughs> okay, that was a little extreme maybe. But I got a good idea for a youth activity. It would be this, you know, like the skeet shooting. Instead of shooting clay pigeons, maybe CDs. <laughs> huh? You have your youth pastor there. That way it's safe. <laughs> You got the 12 gauge, and there goes a DVD or a CD or a video game. I'm getting to that here in a minute. And, and then you say, pull, pull, don't sell it. Smash it to smithereens. Why? Because it does not honor God. Can I ask you? Hey, whoa, whoa, wait, everybody, wait. Wait. Does your video game honor God? I'm not against all video games. Don't think me weird. Well, you might, but don't think me too weird. I mean, I grew up playing the old school Nintendo. Anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do you for real? The old gray box. The one that you had to give CPR to it to make it work, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> take the game and go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> is that right? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, this is wonderful. This is so good. <laughs> You know, and you maybe even lick it and try to get it to work right and then share it with all your friends. <laughs> the one, like, you have it in there and you got to put it in a certain way and, and because if you don't, then it'll freeze and there's Mario and it froze. You're like, no, no. Isn't that right? You know what I'm talking about. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, man, what a classic. What a classic. That is so good. 
But I got to tell you something. You know, when we saved the princess at the end of the game, you know, with all of her pixelation, <laughs> we didn't look at her and think, wow, wow, wow. If you did or if you do, you've got issues that I can't help you with here. And just a, you're going to need to go to some pastor and get like real counseling and help. No, you didn't do that. Pixelation. But now you know how real. Hey, I'm just asking you, does your video games honor God? I mean, I'm back in the old school Nintendo days of when you had like had codes. I'm thinking about like with Contra, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B-A, B-A, and you could have all, <laughs> all those lives and stuff. You, know, you really don't want to This is amazing. We're like speaking the same language. <laughs> this is so awesome. But see, you know now that there are games that your parents don't know the codes that you know and what it unlocks. Am I right about that? In fact, I read a, an article uh, the CEO of Nintendo, which actually just passed away, I understand, and so, uh, but he wrote an ar article, and here's what he said. The average age of today's gamer is 30-something. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> Get a job. Get a wife. Pay attention to her. <laughs> Forget the game. <laughs> Come on. I mean, I played when I was a kid, and I had, like, the, the arrow imprinted in my thumb, you know? I mean, I played that long. But now it's like 30-something. But here's what, the, here's what the CEO said. He said, if we're going to keep that age, here's his words, we're going to have to make the games edgier and edgier, which means we're going to have to include more adult content in it, more violence in it, more sexual scenes in it, just to keep the average age gamer. That's not to mention even the violence of the game and even the occult that's in the game, and let alone how much time you're spending playing those games. Are you honoring God? I uh, traveled with a young man at Glorybound one time, and he said, Brother Jason, what you said about those video games is so right. He said, I played those first-person shooter games so much that I began to see people in crosshairs. They asked a young man down in Florida, he shot and killed a police officer, why did you do this? He said, I did it so many times on a game, I wanted to see what it was like in real life. I'm not making these stories up just to have illustrations. They're real life. The games now are so violent. I mean, I grew up playing Duck Hunt. <laughs> you know Duck Hunt? Yeah, you know Duck Hunt. Dun, 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 dun. And, and the ducks fly out, and you take the zapper gun. And the zapper gun has a cord. It's this little thing that attaches to the unit. It's not cord. Anyways, but you take that gun, and you, the ducks will come out, and you go, tow, tow, tow. And you see the ducks go, Boo. if you missed, if you missed, the dog came out. And the dog did like this. <laughs> you remember that? Do you remember that? Yes. <laughs> what did you do? You shot the dog, didn't you? Tow, 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 tow. How many of you shot the dog? Come on, true. Oh, look at look at this. Look at the violence filling the room here. Ta 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 ta. Now, could you ever shoot the dog? No, you couldn't shoot the dog. Not for real. But now I understand they've remade the game, and you can blow his head off. Poor Fido. Do you get what I'm saying to you? Are the gay Frogger? Is that what you just said? You just out loud said Frogger. That's hilarious. <laughs> Josh, you're killing me. I'm telling you. But I'm asking you tonight, just stop and think about it. Do your games that you're playing honor God, or do you need to get rid of them? 
Okay, how about we go here? How about your dress? Does your dress honor God? The way you dress? Guys and girls alike. When people look at you, do they say, you know, there's somebody that knows the Lord. I'm telling you, my wife, because of the way she dressed in our, in our public eighth grade class, when I was in her homeroom, we were in the same homeroom, the way that she dressed, everybody knew. Everybody knew that she was a Christian young lady. I'm just telling you, everybody knew it, and I knew it. She invited me to go to the Bible club that was at our church. She invited me to my own church. <laughs> but I'm telling you, she had a testimony of trying to honor God. Was it easy? Hey, listen, ladies, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's not, it, I, well, I don't know this firsthand, but I'm saying that it's not easy to try to find dress and, and clothing that's modest and appropriate and ladylike and all those things. Is, is that right? I mean, when I go with my wife to try to find a dress that's appropriate and that's long enough and all those things, then it, it's tough. I feel for her. I really do. I really, really do feel for her. And I have a hard time shopping. Period. <laughs> But it's real tough. Hey, but listen, I'm asking you tonight, will you honor God in the way that you're trying to dress? As you stand in front of that mirror, maybe ask yourself the question, does this honor God? Will that help you? Young men, same thing. Same thing. You need to honor God in the way that you're dressing. You know, sometimes the way that young men dress, like cocks an attitude. Hey, that doesn't honor God. You, you need to, well, by, by, by the way, since we're here, I think a young man ought to dress like a young man. I mean, that looks like a young man. I believe a man ought to walk like a man, talk like a man, smell like a man, dress like a man. Whatever men do, do that. <laughs> and you ought to thank God that you never shall be, never will be a woman. <laughs> and ladies, you likewise need to thank God in heaven that you never will be, never shall be, never can be a man. Thank Amen. Then be all man if you're a man and all woman. This is not hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter how hard our country is trying to make it. This is not hard. If you're a man, be a man. If you're a woman, be a woman. Woman. <laughs> you get what I'm saying to you? One more area. I want to ask you this one. This is a very big one. Do your friendships honor God? Because you are either like your friends or you'll soon be like your friends. Oh, no, they won't have an effect on me. I'm telling you, you are either like your friends or you soon will become like your friends. Two areas in my life that were the hardest to get rid of were, were these. Music was one. It was such a struggle to let it go. Friends was another area. Um. I was sitting back with my mom at church, and um, godly young person. Actually, my pastor's son, Craig Carson, came to the back. I was 14, and he was about 17 or 18, and so he knew I was coming into the youth group in far as senior high, and so he came back to where I was sitting with my mom, and he said, hey, Jason, why don't you come up and sit with the teenagers? The teenagers sat up front so they could hear the messages and things like that and take notes and pay attention. And so he said, hey, Jason, why don't you come up and sit with the young people up here in this area? And I, in my mind, I said, I, and, and with my mouth, I said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Thank you, but I'm good right here. And in my mind, I was thinking, man, I'm way too cool to sit up there with those teens in that spiritual youth group. I'm way too cool for that. I'll sit back here with my mom. <laughs> That's cool. 
Nothing wrong with moms. Nothing wrong with moms. But, I, <laughs> but I'll tell you what he did. He just kept after me. And he kept after me and said, hey, why don't you go to youth camp? Why don't you go to youth conference? Why don't you go to youth rallies? And I kept telling him, no, no, no. But finally I went to youth camp. And you know what happened? They had preaching there. And, and then you know what? They took us to a youth conference in Louisville, Kentucky. And guess what they had there? Like the main activity, preaching. Like they had three preachers in the morning, two in the afternoon, and two at night. <laughs> preaching, 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 preaching. But you know what I needed? Preaching seven times. And God began to work in my heart and loosen up some things. And, and, and he got a hold of my heart and my life began to change. But it's one thing to move up and sit with the youth group in your church. It's another thing to start sitting with different people in your public high school. My public high school, I would imagine, is probably about like what yours is here in California. I don't know. I'm sure we have some, some groups that maybe you don't have. Um, but it was, it was kind of like this. I mean, we had, you know, we had kind of the preppy people. Okay, now, if I point at you tonight, that's not because I'm thinking you're in that group, okay? So I'm just kind of drawing a picture here right quick. But we had, like, the preppy people. I'm talking about, you know, the guys that had money and the girls that had money, and they, they had, like, the polo shirts, and it's like the real polo stick. I had a polo-looking shirt. It had a guy with a flag, you know? But, but anyways, they had the real polo shirts. And back there in the 90s, they would take their pant legs, and, and the guys would, and roll them over and tight roll them. Tight roll, oh, okay, this is, you're not, like, it's not like Nintendo. You're not understanding. And so we would tight roll our jeans, and, and, and you know, then the guys, you know, we'd kind of feather our hair back a little bit, have little curls and little chains around our neck with a car symbol. It was so darky. But anyways, it was the preppy people did that. And the girls, the girls now, the girls, they had their hair like, poof. I'm talking about the late 80s, early days, poof. Hair bangs, you know, and so they'd have to kind of do like that right there. And, and so there, I think there are girls who sprayed their hair up in the 80s and the 90s, and it's not come down yet. We'd have like a tornado drill, and everybody'd say, run under her hair. It's the strongest structure known to man, you know. <laughs> so there's the preppy people. And then there was the, the athletic guys, you know, football, basketball, baseball, soccer, whatever is going on. I mean, they were in it. Not real bright, but they were athletic. <laughs> Cheerleaders around them, you know, like, yeah. <sighs> then there was the rednecks. The rednecks. Do you know what the rednecks are? I'm talking about the FFA. Do you know what the you know what FFA is? The Future Farmers of America. Oh yeah, red wing boots, pickup trucks, and dogs in the back, man. I'm telling you, that's there's a redneck in Kentucky. You got to remember, I'm from Kentucky, and there's that was like a lot of tables of rednecks. <laughs> and then there was the geeky people. People, you know. <laughs> And play computers and stuff like that and pocket protectors. The whole nine yards, sorry. Anyways, the geeks, the geeks, not, not you, but the geeks. The skaters, and there was the skaters, headbangers. They weren't real sure if they were there or not, but there they were. Okay, so there's all these different groups, and I'm sure I'm forgetting some, but that was basically it. And so, but I was sitting, I was sitting over here with a certain group of guys that I'd grown up going to playing baseball with and playing Nintendo, I mean, since we were little kids. And so, you know, um, I think one of them was saved because he was a pastor's son, and I know for sure now that he was, but we never talked about it. I'm ashamed of this now. But we talked about things at our table that we never should have talked about, that I should have never talked about as a, 
as a young man who grew up in church who was saved at the age of eight, I was 13, 14 years old right in here, 14 at this point because I was in the ninth grade, and, and I, was, I was not honoring God with what I was watching, with what I was listening to, with what I was saying, with where I was going. I was not honoring God. I was sitting at this table. Well, remember, God had been getting, begun doing a work in my heart. And so one day, I'll never, never forget it, and it literally changed the whole course of my life in so many ways that I can't even explain tonight. But I was walking to that table, and it's like God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to go sit over here at this table. And at this table was a table full of Christian people. Christian young people, young people who before they prayed, before they, um, before they ate their meal, they prayed and thanked God for it in our public cafeteria. They carried their Bibles, not, not the big family Bible like I'm spiritual, but they, they, carried, they carried their Bible and they carried to class. And if they got done early, then they read their Bible even in class. They passed out tracts. They invited people to church. The, the Christian young people sat right here. And God said to me, I want you to change tables. I, I want you to honor me by changing tables and going to sit over here. And I'll tell you what I told God in my heart. No. But you know what God did? He just kept after me. And I don't remember how long it took, and I don't want to over-dramatize it here tonight, but I'm telling you, it was a real battle in my heart. And finally, one day I came over here and I sat down at this table. And on this side was a young man from Cambodia. He spoke very little English. He spoke Khmer, I think is what it's called. And, and so he spoke very little English. And, but the Christian people took him in because no other table would really welcome him. But he didn't speak very much English. But over here, there was a brown-haired brown-eyed girl, and she spoke English, <laughs> good English. I couldn't talk much with him, so I spent a lot of time talking to her, and we talked all the way through high school, and then we talked all the way through college, and then on June the 6th, 1998, she said, I do, and I said, I do. <laughs> and we've been married for 17 years, and God has blessed us with three kids, Tyler, Trevor, Trenton, and I told you the other night, we even have a dog named Tucker. And I'm blessed, I say I'm blessed, to get to pastor a wonderful church and have wonderful friends in California that I never, I never would have had. And I've seen places I never would have seen have I, had I stayed over here sitting at this table. A lot of the friends that I had here and all in those other areas, a lot of them, some of them went to jail, some of them are divorced, a lot of them are on alcohol and drugs. Life's a mess. I've wondered a lot, Brother Michael, what would have happened if I'd stayed right here? If I said, no, God, I'm not going to honor you. I've never regretted the day of honoring God just simply by changing tables. It's why I'm here tonight. Do you see how this works? I tell you, another thing God allowed me opportunity to do is start to go to all those other tables and to see one of those athletic guys start coming to church. And to see one of those rednecks, I'm talking about a NASCAR-loving guy named Jason Grable who started coming and got saved. You see, if you'll start honoring God with your life, God could use your life to see others saved. God will be glorified and nations will be saved. But it really depends tonight on whether you'll get real, get real, and get serious about honoring God in every single area 
of your life. Would you bow your head with me?